Hi everyone, welcome to Woolen Spinning Radio. This is Rachel as usual and I want to welcome you to this place. I'm really excited to present today's interview to you. I hope that you enjoy the interview. I really enjoyed uh, chatting with Heidi. So Heidi Brax is a the dyer behind Vegan Yarn. If you haven't heard of her, I really highly um, encourage you to go to veganyarn.com. Um, she is a Canadian dyer. She lives uh, just 20 minutes west of me on the highway and actually lives across the street from the hospital that I work at, which is kind of funny. Um, she is a committed vegan. She has been since 2007 and she has a lot to share with us about uh, plant-based um, and cellulose-based yarns and fibers. She's also a spinner. I have learned a lot from her over the uh, past number of months since I took that workshop um, on bast fibers, which I've talked about on the uh, video podcast. And she's just a wealth of information and she's really quick. Um, if uh, she doesn't know something or isn't completely sure, she'll say that she'll look it up um, and we'll find out, which is really awesome. Her commitment to um, what she does grew out of a love of knitting and um, she came to uh, working as a dyer um, and growing her business um, out of a desire to um, work in the medium that she loves and as a way to support her family um, as well as um, being able to work from home. Uh, she's got a lot of uh, really positive things to say about uh, plant-based and cellulose-based fibers and lots to offer, and I really hope that you enjoy our conversation. Um, in addition to uh, my conversation with Heidi, I also wanted to mention a couple of things that are going on in the Ravelry group. We are nearing the end of 2017, I can't believe it, and uh, where has this year gone? And we have quite a few spin-alongs, make-alongs, knit-alongs, all that kind of stuff going on in the Ravelry group. None of them are going to come to an end at the end of the year per se because they're all sort of ongoing things that we work on. We've got the stash along uh, going on for people who want to um, work from their stash, shop from their stash, make from their stash. We've also got the year of the hap, which is for people who want to spin and knit their own hap. And if you're not sure what a hap is, you can head over to the Ravelry group. Lots of stuff has been published over there for um, by other members of the community um, telling us what, what a hap actually is and, and um, what that looks like. I'm sorry for the buzzing in the background. Um, my neighbor just fired up their... Um, their lawnmower and like of all the days at all the times that we're in the end of October and now they uh, decided to mow their lawn right this second go figure um the only along that is actually going to be coming to an end at the end of the month is the zero to hero 2017 make along so this is a make along that we ran in 2016 we've done it again in 2017 I will um post a finished objects thread. It will be a chatter free thread and you can put your um, stuff in there that you have finished during the year. So this is taking fiber, spinning it, and then making it into something. It doesn't have to be a knitted object. It could be crocheted, woven, um, whatever you choose to do with it, but it's going from the raw fiber. It doesn't have to be a raw unprocessed fleece or anything. It's just from fiber to spinning to make to finish object. So you maybe have done a few projects like that this year. This is meant to be a larger quantity of fiber. So something that was a real feat for you that was really a big undertaking for the year. 
Um, if you have more than one project to share with us in the FO thread, if you could just keep it to one post and post multiple photos in that post, that would be wonderful. And um, I do actually have a couple of prizes for that, which I will announce and give away um, in the beginning of the new year. So that will give everybody a chance to post and to share what they've been working on. Now, I'm not sure if I'm going to do a Zero to Hero 2018 along. Um, it might be time to try something new and to do something else. Um, but I will poll you guys, the Patreon community, and we will decide what we're going to do. Uh, we might want to just focus on our HAP along and our stash along. Uh, we might want to do something else. I just don't know at this point. So without further ado, here's Heidi and thank you again for listening. Thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so I thought maybe we could just start with um, you telling us a little bit about Vegan Yarn and how it got started and how you got into um, knitting and spinning. And I know you're not really spinning very much anymore, I don't think, are you? Not a lot right now, but I definitely have done in the past. Mm. Um, yeah, so maybe you can just tell us a little bit about sort of how your you started vegan yarn and how you came into knitting and all that stuff mm, okay so when I was about seven years old um we a family friend of mine um just taught me how to knit she was like my grandma's age and I was super crafty and she saw that I was really into making stuff so she thought oh okay here's a here's a knitter in the making well, that's perfect so, <laughs> yeah so she just showed me like basic knit and purl and that was all I learned um and that, that's all I knew for years but it's incredible what you can do with those two things. Yeah. 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 And then, um, my best friend's mom made socks and we met in elementary school and we, I always saw her making socks and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I kind of tr tried figuring it out myself cause the pattern made no sense. But, um, over time I kind of picked up a few things, but I never really got to be a decent knitter until Ravelry came along. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and then and then a friend of mine taught me how to read patterns properly, and then it was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Ravelry changed the world for a lot of us. Yeah, it certainly did. Yeah. 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 So cool. like around the time that Ravelry started, Etsy also was kind of starting up. That was mm -hmm. kind of coincided a bit, and um, I have a friend who um, who runs. A, um, an Etsy shop and she's also a dyer and I saw what she was doing I thought it was really super cool and um, all through high school and my college age I was really getting into veganism and vegetarianism like I had tried going vegetarian for a few years but then my roommates kind of slick taught me sorry I just dropped a stitch marker I'm knitting right oh, now no. yes of course <laughs> me too <laughs> well, so, like, I was kind of on and off uh, vegetarian, and then um, in my early 20s, I uh, I really kind of decided that it was going to be a lifetime thing, mm -hmm. and I decided to go vegan, and that was around the time I was kind of experimenting also with the idea of making things for a living, because my son was just a little guy, and I was just at home, and I had previously worked as a seamstress 
um, in costuming and film. So I kind of had like a background of, of, um, fabric and sewing and, and a bit of dyeing in there because part of the training, there was so definitely some, some dyeing involved, but I'd never really dyed yarn before. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a different step. So when you were thinking about getting into yarn and dyeing and whatnot, how did you end up sort of going, um, like, how did you end up choosing the direction that you were going to go? Like you're, you're vegan by lifestyle. And then of course mm-hmm. you're, you're getting into your, um, your business and you're choosing yarns to dye and whatnot. Like how, how was that? Cause you, how long is you, have you been doing your, your dyeing for now? I've been dyeing yarn since 2009. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I feel like when you first started, there wasn't a lot out there um, that was not wool. Is that right? right. That's absolutely right. (laughs) I remember going to um, my first yarn show just as a a shopper. Mm -hmm. And I went from booth to booth to booth to booth going, do you have any plant-based yarn? No. Do you have any plant-based yarn? No. Don't have any. Sorry. (laughs) We have a little bit of embroidery thread. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw there were were, um, so many great dyers out there making really awesome yarn, um, but none of them were doing anything with plant-based yarn. And I was just kind of really bummed out by that because I, I just was so jealous of my friends at night where they'd have really pretty yarn. And mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like I, I wanted to, to use wool just because it was super pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that kind of got me on that on that um, sort of track to maybe just give it a try myself because having a little bit of know-how about dye and not knowing a lot about yarn, but, um, but certainly having, um, the motivation to try Mm -hmm. um, that, that really got me going. So I, I just kind of tried a few things out just using whatever yarn I could find at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also took a spinning class with a friend of mine Mm -hmm. and that, that really opened up my eyes about how yarn works. Like, you know how, like, you can you can work with yarn in a knitting way and you can kind of understand like sort of the rudimentary elements of what yarn is and how it's made but it's isn't it it's not till you spin it oh totally yeah right like so many things about the construction of yarn um like things about how it's how much twist and what kind of um style of spinning it is Mm-hmm. And all these like finer details and just how you handle it through the process as well mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. really made me understand that there was this whole world underneath of knitting where it was like the actual creation of the yarn um, that really got me excited. And I realized that it was way more interesting than I ever thought it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely ropes you in. Like I think this spinning totally. takes many people to a whole other level absolutely that knitting just doesn't and and knitting takes you in other directions because um uh you know people who um have really studied knitting they Mm -hmm. really understand about like stitch patterning and writing stitch patterns and construction and like all these other things Mm -hmm. um but it it unless you read i think and really research it it's hard to understand yarn construction until you actually do it yourself yeah you know yeah it has to be experienced i think i think so yeah um, so when you were looking for yarns and fibers to carry in the shop and to dye and whatnot, what was that process like to try to get stuff? 
<laughs> it was a bit like a shot in the dark, really. Mm. Um, there's a lot of suppliers for the mainstream types of yarn that are um, animal fiber based, but there's mm-hmm. not as many out there that are doing plant fibers. It's just a very different processing system, mm-hmm. and many will not work with plant-based fiber simply because it's different sometimes machinery altogether so it's quite an investment to do both Mm -hmm. and if the demand wasn't there there's no particular reason to do it but over time I just after investigating and and finding yarn um, in the few places that did have plant-based yarn and then kind of backtracking and finding out where it came from and who was making it Mm -hmm. I was eventually able to find a few oh that's awesome yeah. And work that out. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, when you're, have you, you've worked, did you work with wool back before you made the full commitment to be vegan? Like, have you ever really worked with wool or has it mostly always been plant-based? <laughs> I think there was one skein that I was. <laughs> it was a free sample from a, uh, from a supplier and um, I had just sent an inquiry and I said, you know, um, hey, I was wondering if you guys had any uh, plant-based yarn and they happened to have an, this really nice bamboo yarn. So um, I asked if they could send me a sample of that, but then they sent me a whole box of yarn. Oh gosh. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's really nice. <laughs> you know, there was this one skein of, of wool sock yarn that I received and it was like white, um, plain um so I was like, well, I may as well just use this. So I, I happened to have some, some dye on hand that would work for for both uh, plants and uh, protein fibers. So mm-hmm. I dyed that up, and after, and that was really early on, and I, I had only really worked with mostly cotton, and, and that was a really weird experience because I was like, hey, where'd the dye go? It just, like, totally got sucked up into the wool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it so um, it gave me a little idea of what other dyers experience it was very different mm-hmm. um, experience altogether it was a lot faster than I expected it to go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> do you mind chatting a little bit about because so the majority of the people in the community that I serve are definitely mm-hmm. wool people um, <laughs> lots and lots of people tend to source their stuff locally they're look, going to farms they're talking to farmers and getting stuff and recently over the last probably uh, probably four months or so, there's been a few of us who've started to dabble. And I say dabble just because it feels like a big jump and it really shouldn't um, mm-hmm. in some of the plant-based fibers. Like, um, you know, I've been playing with some Ramy and some um, flax. Hi. There's more and more people, uh, suppliers out there, and it's getting easier to get uh, particularly flax, not so much Ramy, but but flax. Mm-hmm. Um because we've got a company here in Canada that's doing it and, and is exactly. setting up people uh, farms to be able to um, have the machinery to to um, make linen yarns and, and process flax and whatnot, which is really exciting. Right, yeah. Um, You're talking about uh, Taproot, right? Yes, yeah. That's so exciting. So exciting. And they're such nice people. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're just wonderful. So um, for those who are sort of new to dabbling in plant-based fibers and, and are sort of coming from a, from a protein fiber background because mm-hmm. I lump silk in there too with the, yeah. with the protein fibers because mm-hmm. lots and lots mm-hmm. of new spinners get their hands on like the Merino silk blends, the BFL mm-hmm. silk blends, but in the plant-based fibers, all of that stuff is quite different. So maybe do you mind just sort of speaking to that in terms of what is different about a cellulose-based fiber and what is a cellulose-based 
based fiber and sort of a little bit more of like the education mm. side of if somebody wanders into your booth and says, why would I choose this over something else? Um, what, what are some of the things that somebody, especially from a spinning point of view, could maybe start okay. thinking about? Well, there's a few different aspects to, to consider. Um, and it depends on a lot, a lot on, on who's the person doing it and what their interests are. Mm -hmm. But, um, a lot of people that I meet, um, they're just really avid, um, knitters and spinners and they're, they're just looking to try something new. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, after you've kind of tried a lot of different um, wool and, and uh, camelids and things like that. It is a really neat exploration to go into plant-based fibers mm -hmm. because they're just another aspect of that spinning world. Um, they can feel a little bit intimidating at first because they are so different. They definitely have a very different texture. They're, they're, I, of course, they, they're, um, they're obtained in a very different way and they're processed very differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of the different plants, there's a very wide variety of staple length and textures that you'll get. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have the aspect a lot of the time of there being something with crimp or that um, way of it going together like, like it does with wool. Yes. So it, that is definitely um, a bit of a learning curve at first. And um, certainly, like what I would recommend is like watching someone else who's working with it. Like if you get a chance to see the... Um, the uh, flax to linen group in Victoria. Mm -hmm. That's really cool just to see how they're working with it. Um, but yeah, for example, working with linen, um, the, the common complaint is that it's quite hard. Um, and that really, um, that can, that can definitely be the case if you're working with it for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. But, um, the trick mainly is to just kind of allow the new fiber to, to show it how, show you how it wants to be handled because it's very different. Mm -hmm. um, and just find a way that you can work with it where it can go more easily. And sometimes that all that actually takes a workshop or something. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I've noticed over time and trying all the different types of uh, plant based fibers for spinning that once you've got a sort of handling and drafted, drafting method that works for that fiber, it is so much happier and it just makes really nice yarn and it mm -hmm. goes its own way. But you really have to kind of get to know it and figure it out a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I also think one of the things, because I took a, that three-day workshop in, in Victoria back in the summer, um, on ba just bast fibers. I've never okay. spun bast fibers, and that was why I was at Anwig. Mm -hmm. And I was, I think I realized walking into the workshop on the second day, because it was a three-day intensive, yes. I realized walking, yeah, it was awesome. Walking in the second day, I kind of had this like epiphany moment mm -hmm. where I sort of realized I had to leave everything I knew about wool and wool yarns and what they yes. feel like at the door. because. Yes. I wasn't spinning wool for one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wasn't spinning farm wool where you're processing the fleece from, from the fleece. And mm -hmm. that creates a whole other type of spinning experience. Definitely. Yeah. And a lot, a, a, um, there's a life in that, in those yarns, um, that isn't present in other types of preparations. Mm -hmm. And then when you come in and you're process and you're and you're spinning these like for me it was the bast fibers um, they just feel so 
different and they're they are more difficult to handle i think um even being a, a relatively experienced and advanced spinner i think i think they're a little bit more they, it took longer for me to get my head around it does that make mm -hmm. sense yep totally like for one thing maybe you can speak to this a little bit um like you're spinning with water <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like that blew my mind i was like yeah oh, what do you mean we need water like <laughs> yeah and it's not for everything. Like you don't use water for cotton, for example. Right. But maybe you can speak to that a little bit around like some of the techniques maybe around spinning. Sure. Um, we could maybe start with bass fiber and then talk about cotton as well. Because cotton's sure. another one that yeah, really flummoxes newer spinners and they feel like they can't get on to spinning cotton. And, and I think there's a few things that you can do with your wheel that help you to mm -hmm. set you up mm -hmm. a little bit better for spinning yeah. cotton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you want to get into like the details of like how to kind of thing? Do you mind? Do you, sure. I, I know that the people that that um, are part of this community, they that's the stuff they love. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would recommend for a lot of bass fibers, and you may have gotten this at the workshop, yeah, is um is how to prep the fiber so that it's going to work for you. Mm. And one of the things that you want to avoid with, I mean, pretty much any spinning fiber is having so much fiber in your working area that it clamps right down and gets locked. Mm -hmm. some, some instructors call it the triangle that you're drawing from. Yep. So what I always recommend with, with a lot of bass fibers and even also some, um, some uh, synthetic fibers is, um, is just creating from a single piece about like two palm lengths. Mm -hmm. long um just rip off a piece and then slowly tease it out into a flat rectangular sort of tissue mm -hmm. and then imagine that you've got your it's it's about like a rectangle shape and then you just turn it um like 30 degrees to your right and then you've got a more of a diamond shape oh okay and yeah with that, with that you've got um, the, the start of that triangle to work off of. So then you're kind of diagonally drawing off of that tissue mm -hmm. or that sheet that you've made. And you can lay that in your lap. And then from there, it, it automatically will open up the fibers more. Mm -hmm. And that really can get you going. Um, and if you, and if it's too thick, um, you can, it, it will clamp down. But as long as you can open it up into that flat sheet, that really helps a lot. Mm. I can totally see that working. I'm visualizing it because I'm seeing here going, okay, how did I spin? Because I'm, I'm in a, yeah. the middle of a big Raimi spin right now. And I just, Maybe. I'm doing my, yeah, I just started the actual spin. It's very long. It's going to take forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just two ply and it's going to be beautiful, but it's going to take a really long time. And um, I can see how that would actually help with the spinning, like um, mm -hmm. to have that, that small sliver of um, Raimi in front of me and to be able to spin off the side like that. Mm -hmm. sort of off the tip almost kind yeah. of yeah 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 now you're using water when you're spinning the bast fibers for example so you can. um you can't can yeah if you want you can spin them dry yep okay you'll get it you'll just get a different texture um mm -hmm. it's kind of fun actually to try it dry you'll get a bit of more of a fuzzy yarn mm -hmm. um you'll see more of the the bits of the the flax or whatever you're working with will stick out of the of the of the strand itself mm. so you'll get more of a halo -y kind of thing not like a really fine halo but it'll be more of a rustic halo mm. is that why people use water with the bass fibers especially i'm thinking of flax in particular mm -hmm. um is to get those really smooth yarns 
It does definitely smooth it out. And um, I wouldn't know all of the history involved and how they arrived at that, Mm -hmm. but it definitely creates that really smooth line Mm -hmm. of of yarn and it just keeps it really nice and clean. Yes. Not necessarily like hygiene clean, but just cleanly smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you want to leave the linen as singles, because I have to admit, yeah. linen singles are just to die for. Beautiful. Yeah, creating that 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 smooth single. I mean, oh my goodness, like how gorgeous. Our instructor actually had several uh, skeins that she had spun of just linen singles, and then she had a couple of those same singles into a two ply, and oh my, and and then naturally dyed. I mean, it was just beautiful. Like the practice, though, like. I yeah. talk a lot on, on uh, my uh, regular podcast about like intentional practice and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, just the hours needed to hone our skills. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that's really struck me about, um, you know, there's the skill and the um, time and attention to spin wool really well, but mm-hmm. taking on the bass fibers and the, and the cellulose based fibers, it, that's a whole other skill set mm-hmm. in and of itself for sure. Yes, There's so much to know. This too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Maybe we could talk a little bit about cotton because I, I suspect yeah. there's a lot of misinformation out there about cotton spinning. Um, so funny fact, our guild president, I think you'll meet her in November because you might be coming to our guild, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so exciting. I'm actually giving the program that month. Awesome. Um, yeah, I need to talk to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the... Uh, uh, so she does, she's not really a spinner. She's, she's just an absolutely incredible weaver. And okay. whenever she has to do guild demonstrations, the only thing she knows how to spin is cotton because she learned how to spin ah. it <laughs> because she's a weaver. So she's like, right. oh, I should learn how to spin cotton. So she'll yeah. sit down and spin these incredible cotton singles. <laughs> we yeah. all go, what? <laughs> That's but, the thing, right? Like, if you want to find some really great cotton spinners, look look to the weavers, right? Absolutely. The weavers have got it down. They do, and a lot That's of them are true. using it as warp and weft, so they really yeah. know how to manage their twist. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about cotton spinning, just because it oh. is sort of like the holy grail of spinning, I think, for many <laughs> spinners. <laughs> yeah, um, my first... My first um, tip or thing to say would just be fear not it's not as bad as they said it was yeah. and it's not as hard as they said it was yeah isn't that the truth yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so I mean right off I'd say that if you if you're thinking about dishcloth cotton just like burn that image forever okay because yeah. <laughs> um, this is not what you're going for yeah. Um, hand spun cotton can be incredibly gorgeous and if you're working with really good fiber that's really going to get you there um, and all it really takes is just a bit of persistence and um, I guess I guess you could call it um, cultivating beginner's mind mm-hmm. um, if you've been spinning for years and years and you're expecting to get something right away you're probably just not gonna get it right away but if you keep at it and keep trying you'll have it within like an hour or two um Mm -hmm. and like really have it down yeah i i would have to agree with that because i've been playing around with cotton i haven't really talked about it on the show but i've been playing around with spinning cotton just on my own when i have a couple minutes here and there Mm -hmm. and i can even see just in the 10 or 15 minutes that i have at a time every time i sit down it's a little bit more natural it's a little Mm -hmm. bit easier i -hmm. like the results a little bit more I'm surprised at how much twist cotton needs. 
It it can. I mean, it depends on how you want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, if you're making warp, you'll definitely want to put more twist in it. Mm -hmm. But what's really cool is once you've got it, once you're able to consistently make um, some ply with it, um, try easing off on the twist. That's a really important part of it, I think. And that's what really will get you some really nice yarn is see how, how much less twist you can get without it coming completely apart. Mm -hmm. Because once it starts twisting, it doesn't need a whole lot for it to really lock in mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like it's that strong. But once you've boiled it to set the twist, which mm -hmm. is like something we can talk about after that, mm -hmm. uh, once it's been boiled to set the twist, it's a lot stronger than it seems. And I've actually made a top out of, of single cotton that was not spun very tightly. And it's it's held up for years. Wow, really? Hmm. Hmm. The neat part about that is once you start easing off on the twist and, and just kind of starting to, I guess you could say, physically and mentally leaning back and just relaxing into it, mm -hmm. um, it will actually hold up very nicely uh, with less twist. And that's when you get a really nice, softer, less compact yarn. And that's when you get the really luxurious softness coming mm -hmm. up. And I bet you'd have a lot of drape, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be that stiff. Depending on, on what type. I mean, cotton can vary quite a bit. It, it's definitely... Um, got a lot of um, variance in, in whatever type you're getting. Some are, are very drapey and soft, and other, other kinds are quite thick and crunchy and, and wooly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. If somebody has never bought cotton fiber before, do you sort of have any um, suggestions around where they maybe would, um, what, what they maybe would be looking for when they're possibly looking at buying some cotton fiber for spinning? Hmm. Um, well, uh, I, I sell cotton fiber for spinning and yeah. all the stuff that I have is really excellent. Um, I've spun some of your stuff. It's absolutely you. gorgeous. <laughs> it's what would you look for? Um, yeah. certainly a texture that appeals to you personally. Um, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people ask me like, which one's good for a beginner and <clears throat> excuse me. And I found that there's no particular one that I've worked with that is is any no one's really gone in and said like everyone has never really agreed on which one's the easiest mm. it's kind of interesting different people like different textures of cotton mm -hmm. so some people might really like the the ones that are in that are ranged towards green of the pacucho organic uh, cotton mm -hmm. which are more slick and dense Mm -hmm. And other people will lean more towards the, the browns, which tend to be a bit um, crimpier and a bit um, earthier, more rustic textured. Mm. It really depends on the person, what you're used to, and how you spin. Mm. Interesting. And when you finish spin, oh, and actually, before we get mm. to the finishing of the yarn, um, do you have any tips or tricks on um, how, like, setting up your wheel? Because, of course, there's tackly yeah. spindles out there that people can buy or mm. that maybe somebody owns and they may or may not have dabbled in that. But um, mm. I know you had a – do you still have your spinning wheel? I know you had one. Yeah. I It, it lives down the street now. Oh, nice. Did <laughs> it go to a new home? Yeah. It, it has a new home. Um, it was kind of a melancholy thing. Um, yeah. But, you know – Things come and they go, and and uh, priorities they they re reorganize themselves, and that was kind of a decision that I made. But you can't um, do everything. I, yeah. I I do like spinning, but it's just not part of my life very much right now. Yeah, 
there's only 24 hours in a day, right? Like know, we, we, we've been given this very small amount of hours Yeah. <laughs> and you have to sleep yeah. and feed your, feed your people and all that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when you did have your spinning wheel, are there some tips and tricks for setting it up? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can certainly start with a tackly. The, the trick is, is that you only have one hand to really work with, with a tackly. Mm-hmm. So I typically will start uh, um, people on a wheel Yeah. when you've got two hands, um, and you, you, you've got your hands free to, to do what you like. Uh, and then if you've already done spinning on a wheel, it's just a more familiar um, context that you're working within. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I do is I say, ease off your tension almost completely. Mm. That will make a huge difference. If you can just ease it off totally and just make sure everything's really well oiled and running super smooth. Mm-hmm. That way, nothing's going to tug um, or pull um on your fiber that mm-hmm. that can make a huge difference mm-hmm. typically when in a class when i see that there's someone really struggling they, it's just because they've got a little bit too much tension on there so almost not pulling in at all mm-hmm. is a good place to start and then if you really once you get going and it's and if it's not drawing in at all then put a little tiny bit on mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah you don't need to necessarily um ramp up the amount of twist right away you can just work a little bit more slowly that gives you more time to sort things out um with your drafting Mm -hmm. um but once you get the hang of it yeah you can definitely um ramp up the the speed at what you're going Mm -hmm. but really the the main thing is is how you handle it that can that can really make a huge difference uh whether you get end up frustrated or (laughs) or not Mm -hmm. (laughs) right yeah Uh, so what I recommend is using long draw mm-hmm. and start off doing assisted long draw. So you're using both hands. So you've got your working hand and then there's a hand in front that's just there in case uh, mm-hmm. something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And and as you go, you can just ease off on that front hand that's just guiding the, the fiber through. Mm-hmm. Do you find yeah. cotton tends to spin quite thin? Like, I, I is it cotton that you apply for thickness um personally i i'll spin it usually around like a fingering weight ish but then maybe that's just me personally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some people do it really cool and like a really bulky um bulky weight which mm-hmm. is is really neat i like how it turns out mm-hmm. um so i mean it depends a lot on the person that's not very helpful to you but it, no. it a lot on the person really and and what you're used to and what you like um Say so here that there aren't necessarily rules. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. And then finishing. Yeah. Um, how do you finish cotton yards? Yards. Um, so it it sounds kind of funny, but you got to boil it. Mm-hmm. So once you've got it into a skein, put some water on to boil. And if you're working with a colored, uh, like a color grown cotton, you can add a little bit like a half teaspoon of baking soda Mm -hmm. and that will just help bring out the color more deeply. It will eventually deepen on its own over time. But if you want to see that right away, you just add a little bit of baking soda, just regular baking soda you'd have in the, in the kitchen or um... just regular baking soda. You don't need washing soda. No, no. So yeah, you just boil it for five to 10 minutes and you're good. And then you rinse it really thoroughly and you've, Mm -hmm. you've got yourself some yarn. Oh, no way. Yeah. And do you keep it at a boil the whole time it's in the pot? 
it's really not that picky as okay. long as long as, long as it's at the heat boiled at some point for about mm-hmm. a minute or so that's that's enough really wow i didn't actually know that you boiled cotton yarns huh. yeah it's kind of weird but yeah it works really well that's cool do you yeah. boil bast fibers too i feel like you do i feel like yeah, yeah i haven't I feel done, like i do I, Typically, when I've when I've done my spinning, there's always like mostly cotton and then a little bit of bast there, and I just mm-hmm. typically will just throw it all in together. So mm-hmm. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm. I boiled my. Uh, you know what? I think with flax, I'll have to double check this and I'll put it in the show notes, you guys. But um, I think I you're supposed to boil it for an hour. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think it's for quite I a long time now that my memory's like jogging. I'm. Okay. I'm. Uh, I feel like that's coming back to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think the main part of that is that you'll feel and see a difference immediately when it starts boiling with any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll really see it um, falling into place. It's like when you're blocking, mm-hmm. it really it changes a lot when mm-hmm. it's been boiling. You can really see everything's just kind of falling into its spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, any I mean, you're pretty much safe to boil any bass fiber really, um, as long as it's not. Um, been processed as like a viscose or or a rayon or something because then you might get some melting action happening right right um yeah i can see that actually because it'll just wreck it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> don't do that yeah um do you i can't remember do you do synthetics as well I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I avoid oil-based synthetics as much as possible. Um, but there's be... one that I do, uh, nylon. Okay. Yeah. So like petroleum based ones, I avoid just because they're just on the scale of, um, sustainability. They're just not really on the very good side. Right. Um, and they yeah. just don't really have such great textures, but they have really good uses. Like they can be really fantastic for blending if you want to make a sock yarn. Mhm. Mhm. Um, but but what I mainly like to work with, yeah, is the cotton basts and then some plant-based synthetics like mm-hmm. um, Tencel, um, the wood fiber, mm-hmm. or in the states it would be Lyocell. Oh, is that what it's called down there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ingeo is really fun. That's oh, a, that? from corn. Mhm. Um, yeah, and then like bamboo. Yeah, can we talk about bamboo for a few minutes? Because I think oh. there's a lot of misinformation about bamboo out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have noticed that there's more and more of these bamboo blends out there in comb mm-hmm. top. So you'll get like, you know, merino bamboo um, silk, mm-hmm. for example. Um, so I had read slash heard from someone. So I'd read it somewhere and then I heard it from somebody that that's actually not bamboo that's in those blends. Um, but so I'm, I wonder if there's just a lot of misinformation out there about what bamboo is or what's, and that, that the bamboos in those, in those blends are, mm-hmm. is actually more, it's, it's a rayon. Right. I mean, it depends on how technical you want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's pretty safe to say that what's in there is made from bamboo. Like it was originally the source of that fiber is bamboo. Mm-hmm. It's not bamboo bast. That mm-hmm. is true once it's in that form but it is it's still a cellulose fiber it's just been rearranged basically Mm. now in terms of environmental impact though it's quite significant isn't it well it was that's the that's the kind of the clincher that's where the confusion typically will happen is Mm -hmm. that at one time it was it was pretty um pretty bad 
Um, mm. If you if you're familiar with Bemberg rayon, um, or if any sort of like those rayon stories that you hear about how toxic they were, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Bemberg was the big one. Um, I don't think it was bamboo, but it might have, it was some other cellulose one. But basically, at this point, I have not. After asking uh, with manufacturers, I have not encountered a single one that produces it that way anymore. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, they all seem to be doing it um, by the Lyocell process, which is it actually got an award from the uh, the European Union for sustainability, oh. and it's a non-toxic closed-loop system. So all of the solvents that are used, uh, of them, 98% is is consistently recycled back into the process. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. So I think the main thing is to, if you're, if you're concerned that the bamboo that you're getting, uh, that it, it, that if you're worried that it's um, not sustainable, I think if you just ask the supplier or whoever you're getting it from, and if they don't know, say, can you ask them where yeah. you're getting it from? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to ask. I think that's, that's really important because um, even if, even if um, that your question doesn't appear to get answered it's definitely twigging somewhere along the line where someone is who's running the business who sells bamboo it helps them to think about where they're getting their stuff from Mm -hmm. and it will show that um you know they they'll start thinking okay my customers really do care and they will start asking questions and they will start to to investigate further Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think with stuff like bamboo it's still very much um, um, I can think of a few other examples in the spinning world of these fibers that are available, particularly for blending, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody's really totally sure what they are <laughs> or where they come from. You know what I mean? It's not as as cut and dry as, well, that's wool <laughs> and that's yeah. cotton and that's this and that's that. Because even like in the best f- workshop that I took, like I had no idea what Ramey actually was and I happened mm-hmm. to have a pound of it. No, half a pound of it still a huge amount of fiber in my stash that had been a gift Mm. I had no idea what I was sitting on I didn't know (laughs) that's what it was um and that it's becoming harder and harder to get um because people uh is it in it comes from China a lot of it does yeah and then they don't they they aren't they're sort of don't want to keep processing it because the process of getting the Ramey out of is very very labor intensive and there's less and less of a market for it so the Mm -hmm. generational like you know it would be a skill passed down between the generations and and Mm -hmm. the the newer the younger generations don't want to do it oh man yeah so it's get on it people right so it's kind of like flax we need to figure out a way to be able to start cultivating these fibers in a more accessible Mm -hmm. way right yeah yeah, because they are historically significant, and and they come with definitely some cultural history there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it's funny because you know up to six months ago, I would have said that my favorite fibers to spin, I would have listed off two or three sheep breeds. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because now if I'm asked if I ever give an interview or anything, um, in the future, future me will be saying my absolute most favorite fiber to spin is Ramy. Which is pretty incredible because I definitely like my farm yarns. So yeah, it's funny. Hey, how you, you try these things and you, your horizons are broadened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's accessible. I think that's something that, yes, you know, you saying about the cotton stuff, like just leave everything that you know at the door, (laughs) (laughs) you know, 
you don't need these really super high ratios. I think that was something that really came home to me was you don't right. actually need the 40 to one ratio on your, right. on your wheel to spin cotton, for example. No. no. You also don't need it to spin cashmere. Um, but there's right. these sort of ideas out there that get perpetuated, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like one person um, had a really hard time and they didn't have any help and they're like, this is horrible. I'm not doing it again. And then they tell their friends and they're like, exactly. never do that one. It's terrible. Yeah. And I think it, it perpetuates it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because the people in my workshop, for example, cause that workshop really left an impression on me cause they were fibers I had never personally spun before. Yeah. So it was really good, right? Like the broadening yeah. your horizons like that, you can't really, you can't put money, like a price on that. Yeah. And, um, the other two that were in there, one was a totally brand new spinner. She'd only spun a couple of projects up to that point from comb top that she had been given by the shop that she had bought her wheel at. Um, so that was really fantastic to see an absolutely brand new spinner, not just learning how to spin the fiber, but learning her wheel as well. And also just eating up any knowledge that the rest of us had to get her on her way and how fearless she was because she didn't know what she didn't know. Right. Whereas me and the other lady who was in the class, we came with all of this knowledge and all of this skill. Mm-hmm. And um, the other lady is actually a master weaver. So she's coming in with all of that knowledge. Oh, wow. And you have to, as an adult learner, it's so hard to switch that switch off in your brain and say, I am actively choosing to ignore that part of my knowledge. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and just be in the moment. Like, talk yeah. about mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of pretend to be a beginner for a while now. <laughs> exactly. And be okay with that. Yeah. 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 And that you're uh, not th- going to create these absolutely incredible yarns right off the bat. Oh, totally. I think it's, it's actually, it's a hard, it's harder thing for, for an advanced spinner than it is for a beginner because they're, they're quite, um, quite shocked when they realize, um, like for example, if you're trying cotton for the first time mm-hmm. that, you'll lose it like it you'll just break it numerous times and it's like oh right now I have to drag out that orifice hook that I haven't used in like three years yes and it's like oh my goodness I'm I swear I'm a better spinner than this you know (laughs) it's a bit of an ego like like you kind of just have to be like yeah so maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was yeah (laughs) yeah and Um, there's all these other areas to constantly be learning and improving on mm -hmm, mm yeah yeah what when you're the one thing I was really wanting to ask you and I had written it down and I almost forgot to ask you cause it's my sheet isn't in front of me. Um, when you are going to dye your fibers, yeah. um, like your cotton or your bast, whatever, do you tend to dye them in the fiber form or do you spin it and then dye it? I do both. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, having said that, I wouldn't recommend going in and dyeing some cotton saliva right away mm-hmm. because there are some little tricks to it. Mm. I definitely find that cotton is easier to, to dye after it's been spun okay. because it's got, um, it's got a waxy um, coating on it mm-hmm. that it'll basically make it like practically waterproof. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in order to do that, you need, you need a few specialized, little things going on but to to dye fiber I think yeah if you went and dyed some some linen especially like some nice Irish linen or something mm-hmm. that's been bleached um that should be fine it's mm. actually not too tricky mm. 
and it looks terrible when it comes out. Mm-hmm. It just looks like a ropey mess. Uh, but don't let that fool you. Uh, don't despair. Um, once you've got it worked out a little bit, like um, teasing it out, mm-hmm. it, it gets it, it goes back to its nicer self. Mm. Do you tend to use a distaff for spinning flax? I've never used a distaff. Do you, do you use the <laughs> towel method or do you just spin yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if the towel, uh, see, I, I uh, so many of the, the things that I know are self-taught, so I don't know mm. the technical terms for things, but I kind of yeah. figured them out. Yeah. So what I do is I'll just take a tea towel with the flax and, and do that. Mm-hmm. that yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I would typically do. Yeah. Exactly. I really enjoyed that method. I found the distaff mm-hmm. kind of, it was like this whole other piece of equipment that isn't necessarily needed. Um, for those who don't know, um, traditionally a flax wheel has a distaff on it. So mm-hmm. it is actually attached to the wheel. And more and more in history, they're finding that people, the the women in particular who did the spinning would, would actually have the distaff in their hand. They, it was a yeah. handheld one or it would, had a like a, a, a plate, kind of a straight board nailed to it and it would actually go under their thigh on the stool that they were sitting on so there are quite a few examples in um that i've sort of been able to find in some of my reading and stuff but the not very long ago like i don't think the towel method is that old um a couple put the flax in a tea towel and they literally just wrapped it up in that to keep the fibers organized and then started spinning from that and that was actually the preferred method of of the instructor that I had yeah and I quite liked it everybody really liked it and everybody put their tea towel somewhere else like some people had it over their shoulder some (laughs) people had it draped over their arm I liked it on my thigh (laughs) yeah it was quite funny I I, I put mine on my thigh yeah yeah it was quite quite interesting seeing like how people yeah and mine went on my right oh (laughs) it all has to do with your drafting hand like which hand is drafting I think so that kind of dictates where you're going to put it right yeah very interesting yeah what kind of dyes do you tend to use um I I do two main groups so some of the yarn is is naturally dyed with um with plant-based dyes Mm -hmm. and then the other ones I use a synthetic dye Oh, okay. Yeah. So you do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the variety of the different colors that you can get when you do a little bit of both. It's yeah. Nice to have the variety. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, maybe Heidi, before we say goodbye, you could tell everybody where you can be found and your website yeah. and everything. Really? Um, so all my social media handles are vegan yarn or at vegan yarn. And you can find the website at veganyarn.com. Mm-hmm. And if you have any questions, you're welcome to email me at info at veganyarn. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Heidi. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. 